I just felt like I was looked at as like a cash cow. Everybody was getting paid and I was the one suffering. And, you know, they were one of those companies that kept saying, we're in your corner. We're looking out for you. Meanwhile, they're like stabbing me in the back. Get ready for brilliant people, brilliant ideas, and a regular good time. This is Brilliant Thoughts with Success People editor Tristan Almada, the show that thinks about how personalities, relationships, and communication shape business success. And now here he is, Tristan Almada. You might have heard of the brand The Ollie World, and if you haven't, you probably don't have small children or you haven't been to Target or anywhere else for that matter. Hindi Zyman created this amazing brand for babies, and we go into how she started, all of the challenges she went through, where she's at now and where she's headed. Her story is so inspiring. She goes from saying, hey, I had no plans of running a business, and yet she's running this amazing brand and, and company. You're going to be inspired by her story, so pay attention, sit back if you want to take notes. If not, let me take you on this journey with Hindi. Welcome back to another episode of Brilliant Thoughts, Success Magazine podcast. And today I've got almost a neighbor. I mean, I can drive to your place, Hindi. How are you? I'm good. Very nice to be on. Thank you for having me. Uh, very, very nice to have you on. I did some research on, on you and your company and amazing things. I'm, I'm, I was digging deeper and deeper. I'm like, damn, this is a really good story. I'm like reading a novel here. Wow. It's really thank cool. Thank you. Thank so you. It's, it's really cool to see the progress and, and where this all started. For those of you listening in, Hindi Zeidman is the one that started the Ollie world and Hindi, I was, I wrote one sentence down and tell me what you think. It's, I thought a simple idea that started with love blew up into what you currently have right now, because I saw the love in it. It's like, this is, this is cool, right? Yes. I, I think, I mean, any small business entrepreneur, it has, it all starts with purpose because otherwise, why would we do this? This is not easy. It is a tremendous roller coaster ride. And once you think you have it, then something else gets thrown at you. So if you don't have that why or that purpose, it makes no sense to be in this. So that that was one of the things I was going to ask you, because I, I did read that in one of the articles that I saw. And you mentioned that your why or your purpose needs to be strong. Can you expand on that? Because I do hear from different entrepreneurs. It's like, no, you've got to have it down. What does that look like for you? Like to have it there, to have it strong visually? What does that mean? Well, so when I first started, I had no background in business. I had no plans to be a small business owner or own my own business. My dad, he was an entrepreneur and he ran a small business and I knew watching him, I didn't want to do this because he worked endlessly. He would get up before we were awake. He would come home after we were asleep. And I missed my dad. I mean, it's not like he was completely absent in my life. Like he was, he was there when he needed to be, but I wanted more of him. And so I was like, hell no, I'm never going to do this. So I started going down the pathway of wanting to be a voice for the voiceless. Um, and I was headed down the pathway of social work. I had a specialty in infant mental health. I was immersed in the drug and trauma exposed, uh, zero to five-year-old, the world of the of drug exposure. And okay. I remember, I mean, it's very clear. I had to deal with horrible cases and, you know, the, the cases that still keep me up at night kind of thing. And, wow. and I remember thinking, what can I do? Like, all I'm doing is just standing here listening and there has to be something more. And I remember talking with a, a social worker and he had said, you can be a foster parent. And I'm like, hmm. like, I'm single. I don't have the type the typical environment that you would think of when you think of foster parents. Mm -hmm. and he was like, you can be a single foster parent. And I was like, oh, yeah, let me do this. 
And that day I was like, sign me up, let's go. And that uh, I started the process on my own. Didn't have a whole lot of support in my life because, you know, I was in my late 20s and people are like, what are you doing? You're going to raise a kid by yourself. When was that? What year was that? Oh, that. So I started the process in 2007. Wow. Yes. So I did it on my own. I found the means to get like crib bottles and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) And I mean, I lived in a one bedroom apartment, but I was like, no, like I want to do this. And so in 2008, the beginning of 2008, Oliver showed up at my door. Wow. And that's, that's really where it all started, right? Ollie, Oliver, right? It's him. It's, it's Um, all him. It's all him. Tell me the challenges. I mean, where this is where I went to, this is where I was going. Wow. It's simple idea. Obviously it's, it's, it's really complicated, right? But the idea was, was a beautiful one that started with love. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. So tell, tell me about that process. So, you know, I was a young kid. I didn't really know a lot about being a mom. I was on my own and and I had an infant who had already been passed around through several foster homes and they didn't want to keep him uh, because he was very, very difficult. He was drug exposed in utero to a cocktail of drugs, mainly the, the top one was meth. And so these drugs affect babies so tremendously in many aspects that people aren't even aware of. Um, and so he screamed all day, all night. He couldn't do the basics of just like eating and sleeping. So I don't know if you want to get into this, but like with meth, it's really, really interesting. It affects their muscle tone. It makes mm-hmm. them very rigid as opposed to something like weed that makes them very floppy and very loose. Um, and so his muscle tone he, would hurt because it was so tight. So he couldn't stop moving. He couldn't stop kicking. And he, you know, wasn't sleeping. He wasn't eating. Any type of eye contact was overstimulating with for him. And he would just disassociate. Oh. He couldn't connect. Um, and so because of where I was working um, in the county, I knew I had connections with great people that were leading the work on working with these drug exposed infants. And so one of the things was, Hey, swaddling helps. And I'm like, done, done. Let me go (laughs) to the market. Let me get every swaddle they had because something has to work for this baby because I didn't want to give up on him. Like all the other foster parents had done. Mm. We had to figure it out. It was him and myself. We just, we had to do it. And so I got everything. I'm like, let me go to target, buy everything done. Um, This was before Amazon days. So he actually had to go into the store and nothing worked. Nothing helped him. And so how did you come up with the idea of let's create this little cool product that then cradles him, right? And keeps him tight. Yeah. So it was all based on what the swaddles on the market couldn't do. So that is what pushed me to see what Oliver needed and where the swaddles on the market were lacking. Um, so you know, one of it was the material because he would get so hot. He would overheat. Um, Babies run at a higher temperature. They can't regulate their own temperature. So they're dependent on us. So when we wrap them in clothing that just contains that heat, it makes the potential for overheating even higher. So that was one of the things. The other thing, he was a mover, right? He had that really rigid muscle tone. So he needed something that could contain his limbs um, because he got his arm out of everything. So I needed something that could properly contain his limbs, but not be restrictive, right? You don't want to be harmful because they can't move. I have a question on this. As you're noticing, as you were noticing the things that were missing, were you like, I just want to understand the organic piece to this. Like, were you like jotting down notes or Google Doc or or were you just like, just taking mental note and be like, you know, this sucks. I can't believe nothing exists. How is that progress? I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I was like a desperate mom, right? I, that's what I felt <laughs> it's like. so good. Because I wasn't sleeping. I was by myself. I still had to like, I went from full time to part time so that I could spend a lot of my time with him. Whoa. But we weren't figuring it out. <laughs> so it wasn't working. So all I'm thinking is like, God damn, like I just need something to help him so that I can help him. 
Um, so it really didn't start out as let me make something for him. It was just like, nothing's working. Like, what can we do? Yeah. And so little by little, I'm like, this one doesn't work. This one doesn't work. This one doesn't do this. Let me try doubling up this one. It doesn't work. And it was just, I was really desperate. Um, so how did you finally decide, okay, none of this is working. Let me see if I can piece some things together and make my own. Because from what I'm listening to, you know, sewing and design isn't your background. So what the hell happened? <laughs> yeah. Amazing. In my head, I'm thinking, I need something that does this. I need to put it on him in this way. I don't want it to do that. You know, I'm just doing these like little. Yeah. And I had no idea how to sew. No idea. But I went to like, I don't remember, like Joanne's or something and got some fabric that kind of mimicked what I wanted to do. I bought a sewing machine. I didn't know how to sew. Um, You know, these were the days when you didn't have like social media, right? So you couldn't just Mm -hmm. get your answers. So I'm figuring this out on my own. I'm using some glue because it's not working with the sewing machine in the way I wanted to, but I got something and it's not the Ollie you see today, right? but it was prototype level starting out and I put it on Oliver. And I think this was the moment that changed for me. Um, And I will never forget this moment because I put this little contraption on that I had sewn and glued, glued together and his body relaxed for the first time ever. Uh. And it was like, he exhaled and it was life-changing for both of us. And it was the starting point of, of our being able to bond, to create a relationship. Um, I mean, it started out, it wasn't like overnight, oh my God, he's all better. But, you know, he started to get incremental amounts of sleep. Was so, it was it from the very beginning that you put this on, that you realized that you, that you had something that could help him? You're like, oh, this actually works. Yeah. Yeah. So I saw that. So what I was able to do. So not every kid can do this. I don't want to make this kind of statement. Um, Oliver needed containment while feeding mm-hmm. um, because he was so disorganized. He was so dysregulated because he couldn't stop moving. Being able to focus on just a bottle was too much. And so when I swaddled him and contained his limbs, he could then focus on his mouth and the bottle. It actually takes a lot of organization to for a baby to feed. It, we think of it as something so simple, but it's really complex to get all the muscles and the tongue to be working uh, and to be able to, you know, suck. So with the swaddle, it allowed his body to be contained so he didn't have to focus on that and he could just focus on the feed. So he started to you know, gain weight. He was now satiated. So then he'd be able to sleep for a little bit. And then, you know, we slowly got to work on eye contact and developmental milestones and all these little things. And it was like, I got to witness Oliver becoming Oliver. You know, he got to be himself because he was so locked in a shell before. He he had learned Mm. from a very early age, his world wasn't safe. So I was trying to show him that like, it's safe. Your needs can be met. Trust me. And it was this, you know, slow dance that we got to do together. And that's cool. Changed my life. Yeah. I I see that in in many ways. Right. So now tell me, you've got this, this beginnings of a product. And at what point did you decide or with who did you have a conversation with? That made you think like, oh, might have something here that could help other parents. What what did that look like? Um, So I I really wasn't thinking about that in the beginning, right? It was just me and Oliver. Interestingly enough, um, about two months after I got Oliver, um, my dad passed away. Um, So my mindset was all over the place. The last thing I was thinking about was oh, let me turn this into a business. That's why, you know, some people will tell me like, oh, you changed Oliver's life. And I'm like, no, he changed my life. Um, I was at one of the lowest points. Uh, My dad was the important, most important man in my life. And in a second he was gone. And 
uh, Oliver gave me reason to, you know, get out of bed, find joy, continue on. Um, so he, he was so instrumental in my grief process. So we were just continuing. Um, I was supposed to be starting school to do my master's in social work. Um, and so I was just going down this pathway and, and I remember talking to her name is, uh, Dr. Kitty. She is a pediatric neurodevelopmental psychologist. Um, and she's someone that I've been working with for years and we were just kind of talking and I'm like, this really just had an effect on Oliver. Maybe this is something that I can do something with. And I got a lot of encouragement, um, from friends. I got a lot of encouragement to turn this into something to be able to help other parents. Um, and so I kind of ran with it. I was going to school and on the side, I was learning what the hell do you do when you want to start a business? <laughs> I had no <laughs> idea. Um, that's, so good. A, I, that's a great thought. I love that. Cause you know, the person I would have turned to would have been my dad. Um, and he wasn't there. Um, you know, legalzoom.com didn't exist back then. So it was like, find your way. And I slowly had to find people who knew people to talk to people about my idea. You know, the first one thing that I kept hearing was protect, protect your product. If it's something new, you need to protect it. So I started down the patent pathway. Um, that was my first step. I started doing that. And then I looked for sourcing. Um, and I, it took me, so I had Oliver in 2008. I mm-hmm. started my business in 2014. Holy cow, man. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So in this process, you've got the patent, you've got sourcing, you've got all of these little pieces that you, you are trying to piece together. You've never done anything like this. No. What? I have a couple of questions here because this okay. is cool. So, so yeah. our, our biggest audience are entrepreneurs, business owners. Yes. Right? So when you were going through this, if now that you can look back, it's easier. But what was a key step in continuing to go in the right direction? So, so it was hard. I was also working full time as a therapist. So my time devoted to making this was limited because it was on the side. Uh, and so I would take little steps and then I would take lots of missteps, you know, because there were a lot of vultures. <laughs> I don't even know if that's a word, but vulture-ish people. Yeah. Um, Opportunists, all right. That promise a lot. And I think they prey on people who want to start a business, but don't know how. And Mm. they they promise a lot of things and it never comes to fruition. So that was part of the learning process is who can I work with and who can I not work with? Um, And so there were several missteps along the way. But with each misstep, I kind of got a little bit closer. It was like steps back, but a little bit closer. So, you know, I figured out about like the textile industry and I couldn't source it in the U.S. and I had to go to another country and then I had to find someone who could help source it in another country because I wasn't in that country. So I have a question about that. Yeah. When you would hit a wall, which we often do in building things, when you would hit a wall, where would you go to next? Would you try to find someone that has already done it? How did you know who to go to or what to do next? Because you were stuck. Yes. So I tried to do as much as I could in the U.S. So I found somewhat of the fabric that I was looking for. I knew the properties. I knew what I was looking for. And then I sought local seamstresses to construct the product that was that I had. And so once I started doing that, then I could bring it to someone and say, how can I make this? What can I do? Mm. And you know, there were people that said, oh, we'll help you, but we're going to put you on a retainer and you got to pay this much a month and we'll source it for you. And, and I fell into a trap because I believed them. And, you know, after several months I learned they were sending me stuff, you know, samples of stuff that had no value. So I, I kept looking and 
I would always, it would always like, oh, let me introduce you to this person. Or I know someone through here and I would meet tons of people. And eventually I got to someone that helped me with my first order. Okay. And how did you finally meet this person that provided actual help? Um, so this was all through friend of a friend. And then this person who had more of like a design that helped me with my packaging, then knew this person who did some sourcing in China. And that is how I started down the path to place my first order. Okay. How do you, and this is a question, this is a question for everyone, uh, but specifically on what you did, how would you say that we can make less mistakes in finding the right people that can help us? What should we be looking for? It's a really hard thing. Um, I tried so many avenues for finding mentorship, you know, local communities, or I don't even know what I start, what I tried back then, but I was constantly going to these associations and these small business owners to help my pathway. And I never got the help I needed. I think I got the help that they thought I needed, but it wasn't what I was asking for. And so I never felt heard. I never felt validated. It was like, oh, create a business plan first. And, you know, they, they had all these steps that they wanted me to take that was just standing in my way to get to where I wanted to go. And so I couldn't find anyone to kind of ride the ride with me and follow my own pathway. That's where the struggle was. Got it. So now looking back, how could you have shortened this process so that you could find the right people faster? I, I really think the what we have available to us now as far as just communication, internet, WhatsApp, like all these things, there's so much more tremendous opportunity. And at the same time, there's also the other side of that spectrum where there's more opportunity to be taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. But I think there are more places to start now. And the potential for not doing as many missteps. But I mean, let me tell you, I've been doing this for nine and a half years now. And uh, in end of 2020, from the end of 2020 to the end of 2021, I was out of inventory for an entire year. I was reading that. Yeah. I'm still (laughs) making mistakes. Like it's still (laughs) happening. I'll get to that because that's a question I want to, I want to know the answer to, but if we go back to now, Okay, now you've got a product. You're like, okay, it's 2014. Okay. Yeah. You're like, I'm launching this thing. Mm-hmm. You've got a product that looks good. How do you launch it? Like, what do you do? So I didn't know what to do. I loved my product so much. I just assumed people would love it too. I, I love that. I got That's it. perfect. Yes. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be in Target. I'm going to be in this store. Oh my gosh. No, that is. <laughs> I used to do all these cold calls. I used to call, I mean, I have my list of, you know, baby places I would go. I would wow. leave every single day crying on my way home because yeah. every single person said, no, get the hell out of here. You'll never compete with the bigger swaddle companies. Go. Wait, you were. You were making calls, like cold calling? I was showing up at stores with my All right, tell me, pretending tell me that process. in my arm. I had a weighted baby. And I'm like, wow. let me show you what I got. Please just give me a minute of your time. Big old no. Damn. Everybody said no. I'll tell you, this reminds me, I was talking to the guy who created Grubhub, uh, Mike Urban. And as he wrote a book, I forgot what the title is. But he said to me, he goes, Tristan, the last thing I thought I needed to know was to be a salesperson. I didn't know that I needed to be a salesperson. I was like, so this is what you're reminding me of. It's like, it's true. I just was like, hey, I got a good product. So people will want it, right? (laughs) Yeah. I'm not very outgoing. And, you know, small talk is not easy for me. So it's like, my biggest fear to have to go in and present <laughs> myself and win people over, I would rather stay home in my bed. And Dude, you're kind of just like, can you just, it's good. Just buy it. You need just it. Buy it. Like, give me a chance. Yeah. And nobody would give me. I like that. 
So then at what point, because I know in between you're like, damn, I didn't know it'd be so hard, but at what point did it finally start clicking? Was it progressive or did it just happen? What did that look like? So, I mean, I was feeling pretty defeated. Um, There was this huge expo show in the baby industry. Um, It's called the ABC. And this is when they really only had one. Now they have all this stuff now. But this was like the one. And I saved all my money. I got a booth. I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be my opportunity. And, you know, all the buyers were going to be there. And this thing was like a week long and nobody talked to me. (laughs) Whoa. Nobody. It was the most defeating thing in my life. Is that in Vegas? Is that the one they do in Vegas? Yes. Okay. I know. Yeah. I bumped into that one by accident. I know what that is. Yes. Uh, So I left that place really defeated and really hopeless. And it was then that I'm like, what am I doing? This just isn't working. And I was like, you know, at this point, Instagram was really emerging. And I said, fuck it, right? Like I had to get to a place where I was like in fuck it mode. Nobody heard me. I felt like I was screaming as loud as I possibly could. And nobody would give me the time of day. There was even a swaddle company that came by me in the expo show and was so horrible to me. I won't name his name, but wow. he was so rude and, and I felt crushed. So I, I was like, let me see what I can do. Let's just try this Instagram thing. And that was the moment where I felt heard because I wasn't being heard by store owners. I started being heard by moms. Ah, I was community. I love this. It was person to person. It was me directly communicating with my potential customers. And they are the ones that gave me an opportunity. And they tried the product. And then I was living off of testimonies that my product worked. And directly from the moms, I was getting pictures, I was getting testimonies of how much they loved it and how much it changed and how much it helped them. And that's what I was posting. I'm on your Instagram right now. It's the Ollie world, Yep. right? Still the same, still the same Instagram name. Yep. Still the same. Okay. And then what were the first few things that you started posting that connected with people? Was it the product? Was it story? What, what was that? Yeah. So it was product-based and I think I had started out by like sending out like samples or sending some to people, or I was like doing sales. So at least someone would want to buy it. Um, because at this time, my product was more expensive than anything out on the market. Oh, what year are we talking about? Because you launched in 2014, you're going store to store. You did the big Vegas event. What, what are we in now? What do you so- think year was? Uh, probably we are closer to like beginning of 2015. Okay. Perfect. So, um, I mean, I had gotten little bits over in 2014, but I mean, nothing that was paying my bills. Got it. So I, I needed people to give me a chance. So this was back in like the OG days of Instagram where like you would post something, yeah. people would see it. <laughs> it, <laughs> it was back like... I got it. <laughs> yes, like you could use a hashtag and like swaddle and people would find you. Mm-hmm. There was no algorithm. It was very organic. And so you got to reach people just based on your posts or your hashtag. And so people would search a hashtag and I would have an applicable hashtag on my post. And so people would look up baby or baby swaddle and like I would show up. Those were the good days. Man, those were the good days. Social media uh, has definitely changed since then. It has changed. Um, But I'm super grateful that I got in at that time. Um, Because there were all these other brands emerging on social that were Mm -hmm. small businesses. And consumers were on there. And they were starting to shop in a different type of manner. I think for me, this is just my perspective. People were now more leaning to purchasing with purpose. 
So they cared more about who they were purchasing from and the why behind it, rather than just throwing their money at some empty entity that was on a shelf. And I think that really was the beginning. And that's what Instagram allowed is connection. We didn't used to have. Do you think that that people are purchasing more with purpose now? Oh, yeah. Or, yeah? Oh, yeah. For okay. sure. That, that's that's sure. a really good comment. Interesting. People, I do see that. People want to connect with what they're, they're purchasing. They want to align with the values, yes. right? Yes. Hindi, I just talked to Seth Godin on Monday. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned the exact same thing you just told me, which is interesting. That's cool. I love yeah, this. I, I think it's especially in today's climate. Yeah. People want to know sense. where you are. Yeah. All right. Now, you've got Instagram. You're like, oh, crap, this could actually be a good thing. Yeah. So now what's the progression from that? Once you're on Instagram, does it slowly? Because what we've noticed when talking to entrepreneurs, business owners, is that it slowly typically goes, goes, and then it hits like a tipping point and then it snowballs. What happened here? So I had been reached out to by someone who had bought my swaddle and they were writing and they wanted to write an article on. And I was like, hell yeah, paintthesfloortoday.com. <laughs> Whoa. And it was foster mother makes the perfect swaddle. And that, that changed everything for me. I got eyeballs that I would never have an opportunity Damn. to get. So that, that was a pivotal moment for me where... People got to hear my story and hear the name of my brand. That was a big moment. That's so cool. Yes. All right. So then let's jump. I mean, because you're going through a lot of shit, okay? In between. Yeah, yeah. I know. I already know. Yeah. But let's jump a little bit. Yes. And at what point does this hit Target? Like all of Target. Yeah, that was crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, it's so crazy. Like, I still can't believe it. <laughs> because <laughs> when, cool. I, when I used to do the cold calls, you know, and I would come home crying, I would go to Target and I would walk to the aisles, you know, and be like, I'm going to be here one day. I'm going to be here one day. That's like, cool. I'm going to do it. And and then I would go home and cry and eat my feelings. <laughs> but I, I, I was just like, I had this mindset. So um, it's good. I have had a tremendous opportunity to have organic growth. It's because of that uh, purpose and people connect to that and people connect to me. And I really feel I have the most amazing community that has supported me through my hardest of times because I talk about it. It's like, I'm not going to make any, everything look like it's this perfect ride because it's not. Yeah. Even motherhood, like, let me, let's talk about this to, you know, get away from the stigma that everything has to be perfect or look perfect or be perfect when it's not. So I was able to have reach to celebrities and just the mom community, the caregiver community it was a lot of word of mouth. And so it was 2000, I think it was 19. Um, I got an email. And it was from a Target buyer or because, mm-hmm. you know, you don't get to talk to Target right mm-hmm. there. They have these walls and you have to talk to someone that then talks to Target. Okay. And I got this email from an organization that talks with the buyer and they said the buyer's interested. I thought the email was a joke. I thought it was. It sounds like spam. Yes. I was like, no way is this real Target? Mm. No way. But I was like, okay, let me just like respond. Course. And it was real. Like, <laughs> Target's reaching out to me. Like Target, and and I had I so I did have a little bit of inclination that Target was on my radar because I saw that they were bidding on my keywords on Google. Oh, interesting. So I was like, oh, okay. They see me. Okay. Were you running Google ads on your own or was somebody else running them with you or for you? So yeah, I had an agency working with me that was doing all my Facebook ads and my Google ads. Awesome. And 
I started noticing when you Google the Ollie world or the Ollie swaddle target popped up at the top and I'm like, bastards. First off, you're costing me more. So thank you. Um, but then I'm like, oh my God, they know about me. Mm. And, it, and, and then, I mean, it was several, several, several months later when I got that email that I thought was fake that turned out to be real. That's so cool. Yeah. I like that. All right. So now you do this and you're like, well, holy crap, this might happen. What's it like to talk to somebody that's connected to Target and then they start ordering? What, what does that look like? It, it, so Target just doesn't come out and say, we want you, right? They say, we'll test you. Mm-hmm. So they put you online and see if sales are good enough. And then, then you get a trial um, period in stores. Okay. So sales were good enough online. And then they say, let's see how you do in 97 stores. Um, okay. So I had a trial period of 97 stores. Okay. And then I did well enough that we launched in over 1800 stores. Damn. Yeah. Okay. Well, then that takes me into my question, which you brought up earlier. Mm -hmm. You mentioned, and this is from an article, you rebuilt the infrastructure to have better control of the product. So take me through this. Uh, You were selling out. You were backlog. I don't know by how many months or, or what was happening. Take me through this story. So this was 2020, a incredible year for the entire world. Uh, COVID changed everything everywhere. Um, and it was actually one of my best years of sales. Makes sense. I feel like people didn't have the busyness of their life and they got to focus on themselves, their family, things that they needed. And people began to, right there, if they're, if you're home all day long and you're with a kid who is not sleeping and is Mm. crying, you are more apt to take the time to look. And so there was a lot of focus, right? People did personal health and well being, but they also did like things that were beneficial to their family. So this is when, you know, I got a lot of time and attention on my brand. So my, my product has, extraordinarily tight specs and the fabric is so custom most most people can't do it so my texts are are, my specs are so tight for many reasons part of it is the most moisture wicking fibers part of it is the stretch so the stretch is really important because if it's too much stretch it won't properly contain the limbs Mm -hmm. but if there's not enough stretch then it restricts movement and flexibility So it is like percentages Uh that it cannot go beyond. Okay. So I was working with a company who, who was a third party for who I was working with in China, but they were supposed to be my voice. They were doing the contracts. They were doing the negotiations. They were speaking to the, uh, to the cut and sews, to the mills. Mm -hmm. And my fabric started failing spec. Oh, and, because they were they were cutting corners to produce the amount that was needed. I think they the contracts that I was put into let let them have so much flexibility in what they could do oh. that it was like they could fuck up and I would still pay them. Dude. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So it was an easy decision, right? Yeah. Not an easy decision to go through, but a very clear cut decision. I'm not going to sell that. That that's not who I am. I'm not going to sell anything that sells spec. Looking at that now and saying, okay, got it. I can't go that route. This is not the quality that I want. Do you then change the company that's sourcing it? Or do you take more control and saying, Hey, you guys, you know what? Uh, we're not going to go here. We're actually going to go and do it here. How, how did that change look? Well, as I, you know, slowly started finding different pieces of the puzzle, I got to get a better picture of uh, the deceit that was happening with the company I was working with in the US. And it was dirty and ugly. Wow. And I just felt like I was looked at as like a cash cow. Everybody was getting paid and I was the one suffering. And, you know, they were one of those companies that kept saying, we're in your corner. We're looking out for you. Meanwhile, they're like stabbing me in the back. Yeah. And so I said, I'm done. Everybody's fired. Everybody. Wow. I mean, except my team, 
except my team in house, right? Like my Ollie world teammates, I said, done. Like you will no longer have an opportunity to take advantage of me. The only Mm. problem was that I had nothing else. (laughs) I had one egg in one basket. So I was at my pinnacle of demands. Yeah. And I had no product. That sounds about right, though. Come on, right? Right? (laughs) It's like, come on. It's crazy. Um, So it's crazy. So this this was also after I had my daughter in 2019. So it was also like a new mom. Um, And that was a hard year. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was probably my hardest year, emotionally, physically, financially, everything. And I, for many, many, many nights, I thought, this is it. I'm done. I can't find someone to make my fabric. I had gone, I was in over four different countries, going through over 20 different mills. And everyone was like, oh, we can make this. This is very simple. And then they would back out when they tried to make it and couldn't hit spec. Yeah, because it was either not too spandexy or not too, or too rigid. Interesting. So it was, a, it's oh. a very difficult make and um so where where'd you end up going at the end like how did you find it so this was also during the part of like covid was hitting certain regions so then you couldn't really work with them so i was starting with china and then china shut down and then i was starting with india and then india shut down so then i tried to go back to china and then i went to vietnam and then i was south america and i couldn't do business because everything was just shutting down so um Finally, uh, there was a lift on India and I could continue my workings with them to try and figure out the material. Okay. And I found an incredible group of people that were said that said, or let's figure this out. And they spent a lot of time in development and investing in me and the company to make it work. And that was was that the company that would help you connect to India? How does that work? Because that that world's new to me. So like, do you hire a company to kind of go out and find the mills and who can? So that's the company you're talking about. Like you found that company? Well, no, I found that company. (laughs) No, no, they struggled a lot because they were like, they had all these mills, nobody could do it. Um, But then I found the, the current mill that I'm working with now and I was communicating with the mill, oh, right? I'm, whoa. I'm the so you went direct. Yeah. So they they did like the introduction and they helped support um, with me having a team in the region so that there's always someone in-house. Okay. Um, but no, no, no. I'm I'm meeting with the owners of the Damn. So I'm I'm at the table now. <laughs> this is crazy. Okay. So now. Yes. You're at the table, you're finding this in between all of this since 2014. Now you're 2020-ish, right? You also mentioned that being a female entrepreneur is extremely challenging because you mentioned that yeah. sometimes. Now, was it your COO or CFO is a male? I don't remember which one it was. My head of operations, yeah. Head of operations. And then you mentioned that everyone would think, well, no, they're in charge, right? So tell me, tell me about that world because that's an added stressor. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is, I mean, I, I still deal with that today. If him and I were standing next to each other, people would look to him Hmm. and I'd be like, I'm the one paying. You need to speak to me. I felt a lot of the gender role ish feelings in the U S I felt like the, who I was working with in India, although the typical was male owners, they were still super kind and super open to working with me. Okay. Where do you find that this is a bigger difficulty? Because it sounds like you've worked in different places. Is it is it more in the US? Or I mean, I'm a man, so I don't get to see this side of things right as often. Yeah. What, where do you see? What what does that look like? Um, So part of the difficulty was I couldn't go to as many places as I want to because of of COVID. Mm -hmm. So a lot of what I experienced or still experiences in the U.S. I just recently came back from India and the place that I'm working with was above and beyond kind, welcoming, supportive of who I am. Mm -hmm. I think it was like 
some of the places along the line, like in the airport and things where I, you know, like I remember being on an airplane and it was mostly men. <laughs> there was a few women on there, but like it saying. was men traveling. There. And then there's me. So I, I think there are, you know, gender roles exist everywhere. Yeah. It's, it's interesting in the U S that's what's a surprise to me. I'm like, yeah. To, to think that it's um, it, it happens to that extent here. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I was looking for a building to purchase. I was at a point where I, I needed my own place and I would go and my head of operations would go with me and they would only speak to him. They wouldn't even make eye contact with me. And I'm like, okay, we can just leave now. I'm, I'm not interested. Yeah. This one's not going to work guys. They're like, like from the jump, you no eye contact. Um, so yeah, I, it's, it's an interesting role. It's one that I just like, I just find it funny now. Yeah. It, it doesn't bother me. It. Look, it's, it's, you've got to, at the point where you're at, you've got to have a sense of humor to keep going because come on. Yes. Come on. Right. Yeah, you've got through a shit so, time. That's why I think it's funny. Cause you're like, what could you have done differently in the beginning? And I'm like, I'm still doing the shit. Like <laughs> still in it. I'm still learning. That's I'm still so making funny. all this. Shit. All right. So what's, what's next that you can tell us that doesn't give away anything, but what are you excited about next? I, I'm really excited about the future. I'm hopeful. Um, I, I just got packed from a trip from India and I am now working on all the things that I can do with my fabric and my threads. And that is exciting. That makes the possibilities endless. Mm-hmm. I haven't been able to be in a place where I can create. I love that space. I have so many ideas and products that I want to produce and invent and, you know, I'm self-funded. There's no one else in this. And so that can be constrictive because I don't have the funds to diversify my SKUs tremendously, Uh, you know, to be able to sit down and spend six months working and developing a new product. I just launched my second product mm-hmm. um, and it took me five years to make it. What is that? Which one is that one? It's it's sold out right now, uh, but it's the Alfie. So it's the next stage that follows the Alfie. Oh, got it. I see it. Okay. Got it. I was I missed that one. So it took me five years to make that. And I, if I had different funding, different investment, different maybe a bigger team, you know, it would take maybe half that time. Yeah, that's true. I could see that. All right. I like that. Tell me about being in a place that allows you to create, because I do hear that often from, from different, uh, different people that are achieving different things at high levels. Tell me about that. I mean, I'm not there yet. Right. (laughs) So um, I'm still wearing a lot of hats, doing a lot of things. So I'm not in that space, but I am getting to a place where it's opening up more. And seeing the support that I have in India, mm-hmm. their willingness to explore those possibilities is tremendous. Because I feel like the people that I get to work with in India are just amazing. You know, because they asked about, you know, my team here. And, you know, I'm like, we're a small but mighty team. And they're like, we're part of your team. Mm. And it's just this, it's business, but it's still connection yeah it's the way they approach it I really yeah I, I really I I'm super grateful for that that relationship and connection I think yeah so you know part of what I want to do I mean what I want to do is have a positive impact in this world that's a big driver for me and part of that is in the products I make part of that is in advocating for the voiceless that I do. Uh, Part of that is giving back to the foster community because I still do that. But I want to do things where I can support all babies. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would love to develop a NICU specific swaddle Mm. um, that can support smaller sizes. So right now we can, you can use the Ollie like four and a half pounds, um, but it's a lot of fabric because it's made to grow. So I want to make a swaddle that meets their needs, not have them conform to be my product. So I I want to, you know, bring that comfort and that ease because of how the Ollie is, it opens. So tubes and monitors and, 
everything can still fit mm. while the baby is contained. Got it. So, um, you know, we're in, we have some pilot programs with NICUs, but they're, they're all with the, you know, the big Ollie's. Yeah. So I, I want to be able to support all babies from day one. I love that. And as you were saying that I was looking at the Alfie. Yeah. And it looks like Sweepy from Popeye. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> it's so cute. Yes. It's <laughs> cool. That's it. That is so cool. Um, yeah. So I, I, I'm excited to see where we can go from here. Um, this is so cool. I love, I loved reading about your journey and then talking to you. It's, I, I can see why you're just going and you keep going. It's pretty cool. So I'm ready for some smoothness. I will tell you, I'm ready for <laughs> yeah, some ease. That's funny. I just, I'm tired of fighting a little bit, but I'll keep fighting. You got um, it. You've got to keep going. It's like, yeah. I mean, I'm, I, as I'm, Putting my reach into different areas. Um, I'm uncovering new things in the industry. Um, and so I plan on using my strong voice in other areas to advocate for the safety of our babies. I love that. And uh, that might be a whole other interview. Yeah. I, I feel like we're just getting started with you. So this is so <laughs> this was really fun. Thanks, Cindy. I appreciate it. Thank you for your time. And yeah. everyone, please go and follow on Instagram, the Ollie World. And same name on the website. So thank you so much, Indy. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate spending the time with you. Those are all the brilliant thoughts that we have for you today. If you like what you're hearing, drop us a review or just tell your friends. This has been a success podcast. Head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it.